0: Welcome to another in our series of Kehilat Israel podcasts. This is a recording of Rabbi Amy Bernstein's weekly Friday morning Torah study.
1: We're in Parshat Nitzavim, <laughs> um, and the Reform movement put this in uh, this reading in uh, in Yom Kippur uh, as an alternative reading. And so many of us actually read Nitzavim on Yom Kippur. Uh, And so we read it now, and then we'll read it a few weeks from now again as well. Uh, And so this year I thought I would have us look at Nitzavim in the context of the high holidays, and in in the context of Yom Kippur, uh, as well as, of course, we're going to treat the text on its own. Um, but, But we don't really get to talk about it much on um, the holidays, right? Like w- what this Parsha has to do with the holidays. Why is it chosen? What does it say to us at the holidays? And real, really, a lot of the rich, rich commentary comes from um, looking at the confluence of those two things, of this Parsha and uh, Yom Kippur. Uh, all right, so let's start at 29.9. You stand this day, all of you,
2: before the Lord your God, your tribal heads, your elders, and your officials, All the men of Israel, your children, your wives, even the stranger within your camp, from woodchopper to water drawer, to enter into the covenant of the Lord your God, which the Lord your God is concluding with you this day, with its sanctions, to the end that he may establish you this day as his people and be your God, as he promised you and as he swore to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I make this covenant with its sanctions, not with you alone, but with those who are standing here with us this day before the Lord our God, and with those who are not with us here this day.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah. Atem <Amen>. hayom <laughs> <laughs> All right. Atem Yal. mitzvim. All right. So, how do we say stand in Hebrew? Laamod. la'amod. This is not laamod. Right. Atem Nitzavim. Y'all are Nitzav. You are m-
2: like the army. Direct.
1: Very good, right. Rita. And very attention. good. Send like the, the army. So, th- this is the word used for conscription mm-hmm. into the Israeli army. Um, right? Exactly, Bella. Exactly. Um, so, um, you know this to, to to present oneself in a way that says I am here and ready to do whatever is necessary. So, you know when you get the call, the answer is Hineni. So this is this is what after Hineni would look like, right? That you are you present and are ready to do whatever is required, uh, and and it is it is the sense of active presence. That you're not just kind of placed there. You're, you're there for a reason, right? And that it's going to mean involvement by you in some way with what's happening. Um, and this is also the word that we use when we erect a monument, right? You know, it's not standing there, right? It's, I don't know, what, what is it in English? erected knees, erected right so it's like there, really mamash there okay installed and, and by the way this this verb gets used in each of the three three times we talk about covenanting we have it in exodus we have it here and we have it in the book of Joshua where they're going to where they're going to have a ceremony so this is right a ceremonial like we are here we are ready for something important to happen um, it is um, enough to say y'all are here
3: mm-hmm.
1: right <following the> atavnitavim <language> hayom you're here this day. But what do we get right after Hayom? We get the word? Kulchem. kul-chem. What does Kulchem mean? Atem means y'all. What's Kulchem? All y'all. Thank you. You've been studying with me, some of you, long enough to know there's some of y'all and all y'all. And it is not redundant. Okay, so, and here's the Hebrew proof that it's not redundant. Y'all are standing here today all y'all. And then we're gonna get an enumeration, right, of who that is exactly. Um, so Tavim Hayom Adonai Lohechem. You are standing this day before Adonai your God, right? So it is not just anywhere, you are standing before God. Who's there? Roshechem, right? Your heads, right? Shivtechem, Ziknechem. So we're getting all kinds of leaders. Shavet is a tribe. So, your tribal leaders, Ziknechem, your elders, the Shotrechem, your officials, Kol Ish Israel, every person of Israel. And we could think, okay, well, that means all the big shots. But that wouldn't really answer Atem Kulchem, right? If it's just the big shots. So, we're going to go on. Tapchem. Oh, that's, that's new. We don't usually see that who's tapchem <laughs> so the ones that you take care of the little ones the little ones Neshechem your women. women last but not least <laughs> 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 so if it's your women who is this addressed to, <laughs> hmm? oh. it's addressed to them. So, yeah, lest we get too excited, right, about how democratic <laughs> this is, right? So, tapchem, <laughs> your children, neshechem, your women, v'gercha, the stranger, asher, bekerav mechanecha, the stranger that is in the midst of your camp. mechotev from the cutter of your trees, et memecha, to the carrier of your water. So the laborers. So the laborers. Um, and so this is one of those um, literary devices that we see that's very common in biblical writing which is from A to Z. Right? You're going to get the all-inclusive category and that is from this to this. And in this case it is the woodchoppers to the water bearers. Of course. What, Margo? Oh, Linda? Who sounds like Margo?
2: <laughs>
1: there you go. There you go. And
3: Jody, what? what uh, there you are. What was that saying again about the water carriers? And you had a wonderful thing you told oh, us. The yeah, which was before
1: enlightenment, chalk wood, carry water.
3: After enlightenment, chop
1: wood, carry water. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the,
3: the wood chopper is very important. Yeah. yeah, yes. yeah right. <laughs>
1: Yes. So that is a that is about, right? Our mindset. Yes. This is about status. Right. This is very definitely about status. So what is it telling us? That the, everyone from the woodchopper to the water bearer was present at this event. What is that? Why is that here? What does it tell What does it add? What is it telling us?
3: The whole group
1: is there everybody. The whole group. All everybody
3: y'all. has dignity.
1: Ah. Yes. Mm. Ah. So not just everybody's there Everybody is important. important. Everybody counts. Everybody has worth. Everyone has dignity. Every single person is there as a part of accepting the covenant. And if one of them isn't there, the community is incomplete. And the Hasidic tradition goes on to say not only is the community incomplete, but revelation is incomplete. That when revelation happens... Every single person apprehended revelation their own way. Everyone experienced the voice of the divine and they understood that voice their own way. So if one, even one person had been missing, one interpretation of revelation would have been missing and therefore revelation would have been incomplete. Right? It's a radical, the tradition takes this and makes a radical set of statements about Who's included in this covenanting business?
0: Is this about power and like the responsibility of power?
1: Talk to me about that.
0: Like, why this now? Like, why this gift, this language now, And after all the years in the desert, and here we are now in power. And I mean, the shorthand that I know of power is that power corrupts. And so, if everyone is not at that table with that dignity, we're honoring every single even the, the wood chopper what sort of power is it if we're going to walk off in God's light I guess what,
1: what kind of covenant is it if the wood chopper not at the table Right. Then, then it's a whole different kind of covenant isn't it if only the big shots are there or even the women and children of the big shots Right. A certain class, if you will. classism didn't start right in the industrial age. Right. There's always been always been a power, as you want to call it. There's been power attached to wealth always. Right. That's why we get told the judge shouldn't look to the poor or the rich to grant them favor when they're judging a case. They should judge the facts of the case because we've always been tempted. Right. To. To either feel badly for the poor person or to, you know, defer to the rich person. It's always been a part of our human society. It's always been a part of our makeup. And still is. And it still is. And so what... So. The water chopper, the water chopper. I would love to see what that looks like. Well, in Minnesota, they have water choppers, right? That's, they need them in the winter. But um, you, so you, if they're not at the table, that's a whole different kind of agreement. So I think absolutely it is saying the least powerful among you are, at the, are part of this covenanting. Not only the least powerful among you, but gercha, the stranger, Who's not you is also included in this government?
4: Stranger outside the community. They
1: government. live in the community, yeah. be- be- care of machanecha. They live in the in the midst of your camp. They they are living as a resident alien, if yeah, you and will. They
2: are included in the government.
1: and they are included. They're here.
2: They get documented.
1: They get they get <laughs> documented, <laughs> right? Um so yeah. <laughs> so That's sort of like our welcome poster. That- so, for us, for sure that that's the intention that you know that, that the covenant you know if you want to call it that the community the covenanted community is open to everyone and and you don't have to be one of us to join us for, for our celebrations in terms of
3: being equal and part of the community in
1: every way. Right, so As that would be yet. a huge conversation <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that we don't have and time for. Fine. But um but but just and that the but I, I think a lot case. of w- where the tension is is ger ha machanecha, the stranger that is within your camp, I think in biblical terms meant someone who was agreeing to live mm-hmm. your oh, okay. who's agreeing to live in Israelite society following Israelite law. The ger still had to observe Shabbat had to observe the covenant, right? So what does it mean for you know, Arab Israelis who live in Israel but don't want to be part of Israeli society? That's a different category than the gear here. But for sure, the, the Arab Israeli who is an Israeli citizen and wants to participate in the Israeli system, I think the message is absolutely positively clear. They should be absolutely invited to do so. And I think that's in the better parts of our Israeli society. That's the goal. Right, it was for Israelis to part- for Israeli Arabs to participate fully, right, in the system.
5: it is odd that priests aren't mentioned. Kohanim aren't mentioned.
1: It seems that the Israelites are not broken into their <laughs> concomitant camps. Right, it's not that priests aren't here. It's that this is not a place where your your um, status vis a vis priest, Levite, or Israel is meaningful. So clearly, a different writer that's with a different sort of focus.
5: Because, I mean, there's page after page of what the priests are doing and what and, and the Levites are doing. And, and.
1: So that's yeah, how we start not, to read critically. To be, awesome. It's
5: somebody different, a different message is coming through here. Correct.
1: Right? This is a democratizing message, for sure. Right? This is about including everyone.
5: Even but it's, it's gonna go
1: further. So into the covenant of Adonai your God, which God mm-hmm. is concluding with you this day, with its sanctions, to that end that God may establish you as God's people and be your God, as God promised you and swore to your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I make this covenant with its sanctions, not with you alone, but with those who are standing here with us this day before Adonai, our God, and Asher and imanu hayom, And with those and Anupo, who aren't here. Imanu, with us, Hayom.
4: Really
1: all <laughs> Really oh, all yeah. Haya. So
4: is that future generation?
1: Ah, Sheldon. <laughs> so that is where the rabbis go. That is where the rabbis go. Those of you who aren't here today, how can you be part of a covenant if you're not? In other words, what sense does it make to add this, ask the rabbis, right? What does it add to our understanding of who's there? You, how can you not be there and conclude a covenant? That doesn't make any sense. Unless you're talking about all future Jews who would be bound by this covenant with its sanctions. So that's where the rabbinic tradition goes, is that that's who's met by those who aren't here this day, is us. And the rabbis extend that, actually, to say not only the descendants of those standing there, but anyone who would ever be Jewish, Ever was there. Hmm. That is their understanding, which is like kind of the most inclusive possible understanding of who was actually at the contenting ceremony. Anybody who would ever be Jewish, however they come to be Jewish. Right? So they, they used to pull this one out for me a lot in school.
4: So this is not elective then for the future generations.
1: Oh no. Mm-hmm. Oh no. So then some of the conversation becomes especially with millennials how can I be held to a deal that I didn't sign on to how is that fair what do you answer them Sarah
3: the door is open to leave no (laughs) (laughs) even if you're not there yet
1: even if you're not there yet you're called into a covenantal relationship so what do you do with the sanction part That this covenant with its sanctions, meaning if you don't observe the covenant, all of the consequences hold. But you didn't sign on. We
2: constantly live by laws that were made before we were born, Mm -hmm. by treaties that were made before we were born. And we completely accept that they're binding on us. We don't say, well, (coughs) any law made before I was born and agreed to it. Is null and void.
3: Well, there's one person in this country who does know.
4: Well. <laughs>
2: Most of we, it's yeah. possible that conjoining <laughs>
4: factor is if you are an Israelite, a child of Israel, following Bert's idea, you automatically must follow the laws.
1: So then, what does it mean that you're entering a covenant? <clears throat> like we can accept. Okay, so we live in a country. This country is governed by law. Right. For now, it's governed by law, and so we accept that there's laws that we can't change and that we are obligated to as citizens of this country. Is that the same as a covenant? No one asked me when I was born an American. Do I want to sign on to the American covenant?
3: We don't get a choice about everything when we're born.
1: So clearly, yeah. future generations don't get a choice about this and many other things. But you can see that a lot of them are not thrilled. Right, especially in this American individualistic, everybody chooses their destiny. Everybody, right? A lot of young people are are a little put off by this, right? That how dare you tell me I'm bound by a covenant I never agreed to? I'm like, yeah, it sucks to be Jewish. What what can I tell you? Like, um, you're free. This is what I thought you meant. You're free to do what you want. You're free not to observe the covenant, but it it's still there we are are a people who believes we are connected to some kind of agreement between us and the divine and what I always say is as reconstructionists we believe it is your obligation as Jews in this generation to reconstruct the covenant what does it mean to your generation but to say we don't have one okay you're free to say that who am I to control you
3: we're bound to it by its very ancientness too
1: so some people are very into ancientness, and some people are like, thank you. That would belong to another generation. I'm not interested, <laughs> okay. right? I'm not, I'm not interested. So it's, it's a very interesting i 've always seen it as something that was so comforting, right, like whether you choose it or not it's, it's it's upon you all right you you are part of this people, you are part of this deal that is ancient and older than you can possibly imagine, and that was always a comforting thing to me, but in the first times i I encountered as a rabbi, resistance from young people who said don't you tell me who I am, you can't say i'm Jewish' I'm like, yes, I can, and they're like, no, you got like, yes, I can, and they're like, you can't tell me that that identity is one that that applies to me just because you say so, and I'm like, but you don't get to pick what people you're from, sorry, <laughs> and so like, eventually, I just had to. It took me a while. I got pretty activated, but I was like. Eventually, I just had to say, we get to claim you whether you ever come home or not. You don't have to come home. You don't have to use our last name. You don't, right? you don't have to want to be ours. But we get to claim you. The Jewish people gets to decide who's a Jew. And if we decide you're Jewish and you're part of our people, then you're part of our people. Do with that what you will. It breaks my heart that it might mean nothing to you. But that's your prerogative, right? And once you have a child, you're like, ugh.
5: <laughs> and other people define
4: it the same way, such as Hitler and, and others. Sure,
1: as... right? So you know, we've, you know, we've allowed other people to define who's a Jew, right? But, well, not allowed, but like you know, people are happy anyway. to do that for us. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a
3: custom now, but certainly in my parents' generation, you named children... Mm-hmm after your relatives who were gone mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's why I'm Sarah mm-hmm. and there's something about that that carries weight
1: mm-hmm.
3: i think
1: yeah so it's that's an ashkenazic custom mm-hmm. yeah a Svardic custom is to name for someone living oh. um, i know everyone goes all the ashkenazi go <laughs> 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 um so the Spartan but, but it's the same idea, so that when that person dies, there's someone who carries on their name. I mean, I know we get all hinky about it as Ashkenazi Jews, but because um, we've been always told, it's like wishing them dead, right? Yeah. So, um, so us and our customs, like we get so attached. So the Spartans say, you know, if you name for someone alive, then when that person dies, someone's named for them. And in Ashkenazi, Judaism When somebody. Do um, you name after the most recently deceased relative who doesn't have anyone named for them? That's why I'm Rachel. Um, my grandmother was Rojo. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm Amy Rose, um, but they felt like naming me Rose Bernstein was just cruel and unusual to do to a child, <laughs> like playing shuffleboard in you know F- Fort Lauderdale. So um, they chose they chose a secular, like a, an American name. And, uh, and they chose Amy. How did they choose Amy? Because Bernstein was so long, they wanted a mm. short first name. And many of you know my story about being adopted, whatever. So when it was an adop- adoption arranged before I was born. And my, my adoptive mother was in the hospital for um, endometriosis, surgery on her uterus, while my birth mother went into labor So my father was on the phone all night Was I going to be born, was I not Was I going to be born, was I not So he looked like crap in the morning when he came into my mother's hospital room And, like, and she's like, I can, I can handle it Just tell me, whatever it is, I can handle it And he, he keeps trying to tell her She keeps cutting him off, I can take it, I can take it Because she's just had all this done, she thinks she's got cancer She thinks she's dying He's like, if you'll shut up We have a daughter um, And what was playing on the radio was Once in love with Amy oh. <laughs> oh. Thank you for your indulgence. Yes,
2: no, I, I think that the point you were raising, the whole idea of identity, is does it matter that we have identity or not? Particularly in 20th century or 19th and 20th century America, where we all grew up, there was somehow this idea that each person is a brand new beginning. And in fact, we're not we're not genetically a new beginning. We inherit a lot of stuff, how we look, where we live, and all that. <laughs> and 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 culturally we're not a new beginning. We we can try we're all brought up in a context. And a lot of what our parents and our grandparents and parents were is passed on to us, not necessarily with what they say, you got to be this, you got to be that. It just it's there, it's, and it's our cloth. It's our cultural clothing. This is
1: one of the great struggles for Jews in America for the 21st century. This is really one of the great struggles. So you will hear that um, I've been invited to be part of the very prestigious Rabbinic Leadership Institute of Hartman of the oh, Hartman wow. Institutes. Wow. So in awesome awesome. Thank wow. you. So for three years, I will be studying at Hartman, um, but. Yes. Uh, the, in Israel. Israel. In Israel? In We're Israel. In, uh, <laughs> um, so uh, three weeks every summer and oh. a week in the oh. winter. Oh. Oh. Uh, I will be studying at Hartman. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then studying um, uh, every other week we have seminars online. And, and, and the big mm-hmm. focus mm-hmm. of this rabbinic leadership mm-hmm. institute taking rabbis from, you know, all over the country and, and sometimes all over the world. And all, the the, the, all and denominations. All denominations. So you have to be, you know, you have to get in and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a huge thing. Um, and it's a, uh, it's about identity. It's all about what does Jewish identity mean in the 21st century, and I think particularly in a place like the West, where our identity is up for gr- people think, and we've been raised to believe our identity is up for grabs. And now, identity politics, right, has begun to yeah. really. This is part of my talk on Rosh Hashanah. Um, is you know, identity politics is splitting the left and fracturing the left um, in a really. Uh, Frightening way, in terms of our you know being able to get anything done, um, as we honor the different culture, the different experience the different reality of every single Identity, Right. And then then there's this new, you know, s- the sociology of identities that there is no core identity, that we all have many identities. I'm a woman. I'm an American. Mm. I'm white. I'm gay. I'm mm. Jewish. I'm like that. Mm. We have lots of identities. And to ask me to choose between one of them is to say, are you more female or more brunette? <laughs> like, it's irrelevant. Like, what? Like, what does what that mean? Is, is that a meaningful question? Yeah. Right? So are you a Jewish American or an American Jew? Like, both. Like, wait, right? Like, to, to choose, in other words, you have to choose an identity that is most important. So, so there's a lot of this identity politics. There's a lot of identity. Um, there's a crisis, I believe, for Jews in America of identity I think they're right to be focusing on what is a Jewish identity for the 21st century what, what does that mean what's that about and some of the language I like about it is um, I forget who is using this language but um, do you have a thick Jewish identity or a thin Jewish identity and what we're interested in is building a thick Jewish identity for our adherents, right? For our kids, for our teenagers, for anyone who joins us as a, uh, who converts, anybody who just shows up, who's been Jewish their whole life and has never cracked this book. What we're looking for is to thicken their Jewish identity,
3: solidifies it.
1: And so, um, it, it's a huge question when you get to pick. You don't have to be Jewish anymore because mm. who was it? But you know, when you said George. Who's de- who defines us as a Jew? Well, if it doesn't matter, right? When there's a lot of anti-Semitism, your Jewish identity becomes super important. But if it's irrelevant, how important is a Jewish identity, right? So
3: it was very important to me when my son Daniel, who went all the way through bar mitzvah and all the, the confirmation programs, doesn't want to be involved in the synagogue life. But when he was asked in a big class. A teacher pointed out, she said, well, you, you, and you, Hitler would have taken, but the rest of you would be okay. And Daniel raised his hand, said, no, I'd go too. And she said, why? He said, because I'm a Jew. I thought, I don't have to say anything more ever again. It's there. And he sort of doesn't want it to be there in a way, but it's there. And there's a comfort in it.
1: And and so then what do we do with someone to thicken, yeah, right? So and, and I'm not saying he has to go to synagogue. You know, you know me well enough know. to know that's not what I mean, but it's like how how do we take those who are so conflicted about like yes. I kind of don't want to be I want to many be young people. You know, know, and
3: many of his friends in the same situation. Yeah.
1: And ha, ha, what are we going to do? Like, you know, to help thicken their Jewish identity keep, so keep that doing. there is a Jewish identity that Continues, right? That grows. That 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 becomes its own thing. That and that becomes enriched by the ways they reconstruct it. But if you don't have the connection to that identity, what are you going to reconstruct? I hope you'll let us and know. Right. A,
3: uh,
4: great piece, I think, in the Wall Street Journal a few days ago about the difficulty of getting young people to go to services. And of course, now we have a rabbi in Venice who's having goat yoga at Rosh Hashanah services. As you look Go at this and you say, "Is it really? What is this all about?
1: What is the story?" About? Yeah, and and so that's always kind of the question: is <laughs> can you reform? Can you reconstruct too far? Right, to where it's no longer identity means has no Jewish, identity. and, and th- that it doesn't have like any sense of this is a Jewish practice. It's right. just a practice we're doing because it's popular and we want people to come. And this is always the tricky line, right? So, so someone pushed Kaplan really hard you know, on this, because Kaplan really believed that, Ju- that Judaism should be given to the Jewish people, and the Jewish people should be entrusted with Judaism, and whatever they decide, however many generations from now, is Jewish. Is Jewish? and I like, still so something you know? That you can get pushed to where you're like, okay, well, what if they want a tree mm-hmm. in the living room with, in December? That... You know, and I'm like, look, you're not scaring me with that question. Like, if six generations from now, folks decide that at Hanukkah you're going to put a tree in like the the living room what and it's really Jewish like this is the Jewish thing to do this is how you know someone's Jewish is that they have okay right like whatever it it, it's that it's that right now goat yoga is certainly not normative it's not Jewish but if it catches on and it really becomes people like they just can't wait to hear the bleeding of little kids, literally kids, at Rosh Hashanah? That's it. Okay, like okay. Right, but the question is, how will it be Jewish? They have to know enough about our traditions and our history and the themes and the meaningful aspects of what their ancestors have experienced at Rosh Hashanah in order to reconstruct goat yoga as a Jewish Rosh Hashanah practice. Does that make sense? Like I'm less attached to what it looks like than are people doing the serious work of saying what is Rosh Hashanah for us as Jews and then whatever they come up with is what they come up with. But is it
5: fair to say that the covenant, getting back to um, the covenant Mm -hmm. that we're talking about, that the the covenant is kind of like a tent that that basically uh, will accept as many outliers as you, you you can get, and what's meant here mm-hmm. really is a very um, inclusive, absolutely um, uh, stance. It, Judaism takes a very very inclusive stance. Yes, and some we might not even think it as Jewish um, gets taken in by this.
1: Absolutely, and and, and there are conditions on the covenant. But yeah, it is conditional. It is completely conditional with sanctions, right? It's not just an easy, happy, come on in, y'all, right? It's come on in, and then you shall, and you shall, and you shall not, and you shall not, and you shall, right? There's a bunch that goes with the covenant. But yes, it, it taken as a set of conditions with sanctions, it is the most open. And and some people want to say that originally the vision was that the whole world would be Jewish, that everyone would understand the covenant as the way to relate to the divine, right? We have moved way far from that for lots of historical reasons, but there is evidence, I think I've quoted to you before, the Alenu, mm-hmm. right? And on that day there will be one God, and God's name will be one. That everyone will call God Yudhe Vavhe. Right? And so that, that is a very, you know, so, so to some people it's not only inclusive, it is.
3: Universal, right.
1: Universal, Universal, right. That everybody would find, we would be or la goyim, uh, and light unto the nations, and they would all get it, right? And would be in relationship to this that divinity seems, through this sense of... seems
2: to have been picked up by another religion, that idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Rather more
1: successfully than right. in our case.
4: So the rabbis that are leading this mason goat yoga movement <laughs> are really trying to say in order to really be Jewish, you have to come together. You can't bowl alone. Yes. doesn't matter anymore. Yes. You're not going to really be a member of the Jewish community if you don't come together. To do
1: fully. You won't fully experience fully what, what it means, means to be right. Jewish unless you're part of Jewish community. Yes, that's absolutely it. Go yoga is... <laughs> What you Whatever. It's, can you, what is it like? it's um, when you are doing yoga and they take little kids, like little goats, and they have them in the room. And so little goats like to get up on stuff that's high. Oh, so, so like, like while you're in Down Dog, they're the line. little goats jump on you. Um, oh, that sounds good. Oh. So, they're just. So, <laughs> well, that solves everything. So, the teacher's not a goat. No, that is not a goat yoga means. The, the, the rabbi is not a goat. So um, the, the goats jump on you while you're doing yoga, and apparently it's just very happy. It's very joyful. They make you laugh. They're very, you know, they're very cute kids, and they, you know, are very happy. And um, we hire them. <laughs> so you hire the goats um, but but right so why, why do that because it's it's popular it, over there you know, you know on that side of town um, it, it it's popular it's and you're expensive. trying to get Jews in the building truly it's about getting Jews in the building and Jews who want an alternate experience to what we're going to provide them you know, right Margo I have one basic
5: question and I ask myself
2: Are you proud to be Jewish? I don't think they're that familiar with the covenant and everything that goes
1: along with it.
2: But if they answer me yes...
1: It's a good day. It's a
2: good (laughs) day. And I don't go any further than that. But that's that's just really an
1: important uh, aspect. Right.
3: Every time. Time.
1: Right, and hopefully that we impart something right. to them that has them feel a sense of pride in being connected to it. What you know, whatever that's that's the question. To it, what's what's the it that they experience? And it's a question we need to ask ourselves. Uh, absolutely. Um, Ken Ehrlich just returned. You know, a former board member, very involved here at Ki. He just returned from Europe and asked to have an appointment with me and came in and even choked up while he was talking about it, that they'd been in um, Hungary. It starts with C. Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia. Croatia. Thank you. Croatia. Croatia. Thank you. Croatia. Croatia. I was going to say, not Serbia, but uh, so he, 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 sounds like first syllables. So. Um, the So he was in Croatia and they were in this town and and they went to the synagogue. It was this tiny little chapel. And and then they went to the the cemetery and the cemetery was all uneven and it was overgrown and there were cracked headstones and it was filthy. And he just choked up even talking about it, that this community didn't have even a connection enough to their cemetery to take care of it. And it it was like almost desecrated. It was in such terrible shape and 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 as he was speaking he said, You we just don't understand he goes, look, I, I know I don't travel that much and so, you know, maybe it came as a surprise to me. He said, But I travel here mostly and we do, you know, activity. You know, he does the skiing and all that kind of stuff. He says, but traveling and seeing other Jews' relationships to their Judaism, it's easy to forget. He said, how easy it is to be a Jew on the west side of L.A. How easy it is. What we take for granted, you know, he said, this, this community, this building, this, what we have here, like it's right here and we don't come often it 's right here, and it 's so easy for us to access and it 's so beautiful and it 's so well cared for and we just don 't get it until we go somewhere else where there is no pride about being jewish there 's no pride about i 'm not, I'm not saying this in a way that 's pejorative, I swear like I, he was just lifting up that, like, what, someone else 's experience in another part of the world, you ask your kid, "Are you proud to be Jewish, and they look at you like you have three heads no. right like what are you talking about? It is an albatross. Around our necks, right? The identity of Jew, right? I met with someone else who's from the former Soviet Union, mm-hmm. who was raised Jewish. All she knows is the Kabbalah Center, because in Moscow it was dangerous to go to shul. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't know from shul. She doesn't know from what half of these holidays mean. What? What? Any of covenant? What? What? Right? But the Kabbalah Center, that's a kind of Judaism And so we just take for granted that when we, are you proud to be Jewish? We have, some of us, an association with texts and teachings and values and ethics and morals and a history that brings, for me, it brings dignity to my life and identity with this people. right? But it is so fragile. You look not that far away from us. And you ask, are you proud to be Jewish? And they do not understand your question. It's like my English must be really rusty because that question made no sense. All right, so it's just a reminder for us not to not to take for granted in these coming days, right? What we what we have. Um, uh, yes, ma'am.
2: I just take a minute or two to just to tell this kind of story that they're. That's what we're here for.
3: When right, my um, oldest granddaughter
2: was about. Uh, I guess three or four, when um, they lived on the East Coast in Philadelphia, and um, she was on a camp, and she used to preface her questions by saying, Grammy, you know what? So there was one time from the phone, and she said, Grammy, you know what? I said, what? She said, my, um, my mommy changed my camp. So this was summer So I said, oh, well, you must have, you know, a exactly good reason yeah, but you know what? I said, what? She said, uh, it's a Jewish camp. So I, And my son was married to a non-Jewish uh, woman. So uh, she said, uh, it's a Jewish camp. So I said, oh, that, that's nice. And I didn't hear that. So she said, yeah, but you know what? I said, what? She said, I'm not even Jewish. so <laughs> oh, I said, yes, you are right, Jewish. Your father's Jewish
3: of this
1: whole thing is she's looking for, they're looking for a synagogue
4: to be married, to get he her. Choo-ching! <laughs> <laughs> <Ching! laughs> <laughs> <laughs> There's an air-conditioned synagogue here. There's an air-conditioned synagogue near her, I'm sure. <laughs> um,
1: all right, let's look at verse 11 because we often don't get that far. 11? 30, 11. 30, yeah.
2: 30.11.
1: 30.11. Surely this
2: instruction which I enjoin upon you this day is not too baffling for you, nor is it beyond reach. It is not in the heavens that you should say, who among us can go up to the heavens and get it for us and impart it to us that we may observe it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who among us can cross to the other side of the sea and get it for us and impart it to us that we may observe it? Know the thing is very close to you, in your mouth and in your heart, to observe it.
1: So this, for me, some of the most beautiful lines of Torah. It is not inaccessible, this teaching, right? And for many of us in progressive Judaism, um, who are looking for a spiritual connection, and the teaching is it's not outside of you, far away from you, that you need an expert to go access it and get it for you and tell it to you. It's not inaccessible that you have to be you know, some mighty whatever to be able to go across the sea and get it. No, it is very close to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart to observe. And so for a lot of us in this crazy time that we're living in, this amazing, miraculous, exciting, <coughs> troubling, crazy time we're living in, we don't take the time very often to pay attention to what's in our mouths and in our hearts that we know that's here, that's part of us, that's wisdom, that's accessible, that's the divine always moving through us, calling through us to show up. And part, part of the high holidays for me is just that time together together it's a lot easier to do it when other people are doing it, right? There are good things about being influenced by our peers, right? There's a reason we do things in community. It's hard to do alone, right? How many of us would sit in meditation if we didn't have each other every Friday, right? It's, it's hard to do alone. But when we come together and we, we say, okay, we're going to do this these couple of days, and then 10 days later, we're going we're gonna to do it again, right, in a more intense kind of way, it, There's something really powerful that we decide to show up again this year when I see how full the building is do I wish it were fuller the rest of the year of course but I'm not somebody who's gonna stay there I'm just so happy that that many people decide to come and show up to do this crazy business once again to get quiet to say out loud the ways we have failed how we want to do it differently this year to listen to the aspirations of our tradition being sung by whoever's leading, Julie Silver, our choir, Chaim, whoever. It's, it's an incredible thing that we, that we do this every year. And I think this, this is an appropriate, perfect text. Read 15, Bert. See, I set before you this day life
2: and prosperity, death and adversity. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his laws, and his rules, that you may thrive and increase, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land that
1: you're about to enter and possess. Okay, so we are told very clearly, right, that I set before you chayim, v'tov, life and goodness, behamavet, v'harah, and death and evil. And you have a choice, you have a choice to lean into life or to lean into what Rabbi Iris Stone calls death in life. Mm-hmm.
3: May I correct one thing I, I understood you to say? I think this may be one of the few things that isn't crazy business. Yeah. It <laughs> isn't yeah. crazy yeah. business. <laughs> right. It's, right. it's pure.
1: This is I mean, this is, is for me, as, as pure as it gets, that we are, we are given the choice to live into life or to live into death in life. And isn't this is this pretty part for again, um, uh, 11 where it says surely you know you can get this it's not that hard and it's between you and me that's where it is it's in your heart it's in your head and isn't this one of the big differences with Christianity because don't they believe you have to go through Jesus to get to God where here it says you don't have to be anyone special you've got a covenant with me you go to me directly so so there there are some fundamental, obviously, differences between us and Christianity. How Christianity would interpret this set of verses, I think many progressive, liberal Christians would totally get with this and would interpret it the same way we do. Because they would say to us, but don't you have to keep the covenant? For this to happen, don't you have to keep kosher? And if you don't, you know, so there's always, right? So we, we lift this out, right? Um, but... Yeah. Um, yes, Robert.
5: Uh, I seem to remember though that there's this very famous story in the Talmud that, that reaches the same conclusion that it's not in heaven when, when the rabbis are arguing.
1: Ah, very good memory. Um, very good memory, Robert.
5: And um, the point of the, the point of that story was that that democracy wins.
1: Beautiful that you remember this. Yeah. Uh, Look at verse twelve. Mm-hmm. The first words of verse twelve, Lo bashamayim hi. Right. She is not in the heavens. That's the line the rabbis pick, right? right? They are that's having an argument, argument, right? right? The halakhic yeah. argument. Mm-hmm. The carob tree yeah, flies by the window. Right. Exactly. The yeah. river changes course, and, right? And yeah. finally, a bat kol. Whatever the, whatever the majority
5: says is the what. That's where I thought you were going with. You know, who knows what we're going to be practicing in six generations? Because. <laughs> whatever, that that story the point of that
1: it, it's thing, a story fabulous was, story
5: if the majority says it's this way, that's the way it
1: is. And So is I'm also going to mention this at don't up there
5: you
2: but there, there not- is a tension like you could use a, a musical metaphor if you're going to improvise you have to know the tune mm-hmm. and there's a tension between reconstructing and when does it
1: cut from the truth. Right. When does it well, just go and become well, that's something why else? we don't and call it has... inventing Judaism. Right. I mean, we call it? it reconstructing, right? How does it <coughs> You're taking something and... In... You work from knowledge.
3: Yeah. And ignorance. Right. That's where Kaplan taught.
1: So that's, that's, mm. that's where Kaplan goes, yeah. Did you have your hand up, my dear? Oh, no. Okay. Just stretching. Yeah, we'll be careful about stretching <laughs> yes. in a setting like this. Or you or could easily that. get called on to speak or, you know, <laughs> make a presentation or... Share a meaningful moment from your high it for holiday. Should we get it for you? Oh I'm sure it's important, but mm-hmm.
5: you did it.
3: Without a grabber. Now you can tell you. To
1: Without a grabber, right. <laughs> Do you know have any things yeah, I've knocked over easy. with those grabbers? I, I knocked over a whole bottle of water at night all over the floor. I had to get up and like Was such a disaster. (laughs) Such I tried to pull the lamp with the cane. That was that was really dumb. (laughs) Shut up over there, (laughs) Scheibel. I know, right? Everyone with hip replacements gets it. All right. So look at this. uh, I put together some quotes from some teachers that I really find. Um, meaningful as we move into this time of uh, the High Holidays with Parshat Nitzavim. So let's look at um, Rabbi Rachel Shabbat Beit Halachmi. Despite all of our individualism and autonomy, we don't stand before God only as our single selves, but also as a part of a larger, radically trans-historical Jewish people. This dual sanctity and double bond with God both individually and collectively, right, are foundations of the covenants. So that it's not either or, it's addressed to each person. We each individually have to interpret the teaching for ourselves, what it means for us, how that's going to play out in our lives. Each of us is valuable, each of us is unique, each of <coughs> us is critical to the project. And we are part of what I love what she says, a radically trans-historical people. That the same questions we're struggling with, they struggled with 900 years ago. We might come up with different answers. We might think we have sexy new language to talk about it because we're so smart and enlightened. But we are really asking the same questions. How do we choose life? How do we choose what's good? How do you know? How, right? um, we are all struggling as human beings with the same questions. Done, but we are a radically trans-historical people. And we take their discussions about it seriously.
0: Trans-historical really resonates. Um, this is the first Rosh Hashanah in my life without my grandmother. She passed this year, right. and we have this experience around on her deathbed. and She shared with me things that she couldn't share with her sons, my father and his brothers, and there's you know, the intergenerational gap, the buffer, of the distance, that allowed it to be a little less thorny and scary. And I think about, in a way, it was like, I came this far with this pain. Here, what can you do with it? And she didn't see that exactly, but like for me to be present, to me be, be for me to be bound by covenant, I must allow myself to be informed by the covenant and informed by the nuance of like. And we all have it; we all have our unique nuance, pain that we bring to honoring the past and then the, the moment of the moment
1: that we've inherited, right? That's lots, lots of pain that we've inherited. And lots of strength and joy and right and um and what a blessing that you were at her bedside. Because she can come with all of that, but if there's no one there to receive it, right, what, what happens? It goes unredeemed. Right? It it stays just pain. And I mean not, I don't mean to minimize it, I'm just saying what a blessing for her that she had a grandson at the bedside to pass it on to, which is what it says, Nitzavim Hayum, you have to be there. You have to be standing there ready in order, right, for this to get transmitted.
0: Yeah, earlier like, like earlier this year you are talking about like why Judaism must occur in community, and I didn't understand it, I understand it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So thank you.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, even uh, on the high holidays, how we say Ashamnu, it's not I have sinned, we have sinned as a community, and even if you personally haven't done something, somebody with the group has done something that requires and
1: I have allowed case. it to, to go unchecked, right? Like that's what I always think about: is what have I allowed or enabled? Because I didn't speak out against it loudly enough. Because I didn't work against it. Because I didn't send in a check to make right. I may have not have done it personally, but but I have participated in building a society that has allowed it. What are we supposed to do? <laughs> 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 teshuvah! Elena, don't panic. Teshuvah! We, we can do teshuvah, right? We can return. We can repent. We can be like your son. We can serve. We can step up and say, in this moment, this is what I can do. This is what I can reach. It's not my job to fix the whole thing, but if I don't put my talents and strength forward, that's on me. But if I do, then that's, that's what I can do. You raised a child who understood that. You raised a child with the response, sense of responsibility to stand up and put his neck on the line to serve us, to serve this society that we're creating. Right? I don't
3: know how this happened, because I... That <laughs> <laughs> you, you have a senator for a son, you mean? Oh, I mean? I hated Judaism when I was a child. I hated my parents um, looking at acting like they were important because they sat next to the rabbi's wife for the holidays <laughs> and had to buy a special dress to wear <laughs> and, amazing, 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 and drove up amazing, in their amazing fancy amazing. cars <laughs> and it was just repulsive to me. But yet I was able to hold on to this importance of Judaism to me. I, I can't really figure out how. And I, That's why I mentioned the word ancient earlier mm-hmm. because it's just so awesome to be part of this
1: so look at what she says. There are, these are the moments that give us a deeper sense of what it means to be committed to something beyond ourselves, beyond yes. our individual needs, and beyond time. Yes. You were able to touch and carry forward something. Like, as we just heard, you, you carried forward something from another time, even. Right? Not necessarily your parents, right? But something else, before them, even. Lots of balls, <laughs> and honey. All Ancient. Food <laughs> are so good. Right? Kaplan says that's as Jewish as anything else. The Judaism has a taste. That taste is as important as anything else. Lots of women didn't go to shul. Their holiday experience wasn't about shul. What the you know that was whatever for. Let them go. Right. The holidays were about matzo balls and how light were they. Or if you like sinkers, then it's sinkers. I don't want to like judge anybody's matzo balls But right. Um, that was the holiday like was the chicken you know done well could you acquire a chicken that was presentable for Russia Hashan right so mm-hmm. yeah those are, those are that's what lives in our bones and the ancient yes. part of our brain the lizard part of our brain smells matzo ball soup <laughs> right like the old part the really old part alright I know I, I gotta let you go so um uh, so I'll just give you this to take home um, look at the last quote on the back of the page. You can take this and put it in your machzer and open it on Yom Kippur when we get to the Torah reading. In the wake of our individual and communal self-examination and reflection this holiday season, our moral compass ought to lead us toward ethical responses to all people and their human needs. If we are open to and able to do this multidirectional turning, we can live more gently and at the same time with more purpose. We can move into the new year grateful for all the sacred relationships in our lives and ready to move clearly toward a more perfect version of ourselves, our communities, and our worlds. I am so grateful for this um, sacred community. I've missed you all very much. Shabbat shalom.
0: You've been listening to Rabbi Amy Bernstein's Friday morning Torah study from Kahil at Israel in Pacific Palisades, California.